0: Is anyone afraid of the dark? Or maybe remember when you used to be, right? I can remember as a kid that I was always afraid of the dark because shadows would make weird shapes. There were weird noises outside of the window, right? There's a monster in the closet under the bed. You've got to have the night light out there, right? I'm going to stop talking because I know we've got kids here. I don't want it to be too scary, right? I've got goosebumps already, Uh, but being in the dark can be scary, right? It's disorienting. We lose one of our primary senses, right? Our sense of sight, but it's got such an easy solution, right? What's the solution to being in the dark? Light, of course, right? We're kids, right? That's the secret. That there's something hiding in the closet. There's a creature under the bed, or there's scary shadows. We just need a night light. We ask mom or dad to come on, to plug it in, or turn it on, or whatever it looks like in your household these days. But a little night light. Light shed on the situation reveals that what was scary is actually just very, very normal, right? The shadow is just your toys. The pile in the corner is just a pile of clothes. The sound outside of your window is just a tree, Like right? The solution to overcome our overactive imaginations in the dark and in the night is the truth that the light reveals, that's why we give our kids these night lights, and eventually we learn that the dark isn't scary, it's just something that we have to contextualize, remind ourselves that the tricks that our mind is playing isn't what's really there and the light reminds us of those things. Now this is all well and good at bedtime and we're talking about kids falling asleep where the nightlight is a very easy fix, but I wonder about the deeper areas of our life. Are there dark spots in our souls, places that we avoid because they're scary? Maybe what was once a normal situation, but it's become a negative memory for us. It's become a time where things grew out of proportion and now we don't want to talk about it. It's darkness in our Lives. These could be anything from childhood scars, to relationships, to abuses, to past relationships, areas of guilt or shame. Things that we'd rather not face, rather not discuss, because, well, the dark is scary. And while the solution might be the same, that we need to bring them into the light, it isn't as simple as just vanquishing our childhood fears. These areas are deeper, they're more real, they're more painful, and often we're more anxious about dealing with them than simply the things that our mind plays tricks on us with. So today we're starting a new series called Hope in the Dark because we all have these areas in our lives, whether past, present, or even future. Whether they're still currently going on or whether we've learned to live with these dark areas in some capacity, we all have areas of our lives, of our hearts, of our souls where we need some light. We need light exposed to remind us of what's true and to not let us remain disoriented or scared In the dark, right? All of these times that we go through, we all have experiences where this happens to us. Times when hope seems far, when things aren't coming together. There's a very real chance that you might be feeling some of these things right now, right? Coronavirus maybe has taken away something significant in your life, perhaps a loved one, perhaps your livelihood, your classroom, your summer, your relationships. Maybe you've got fear and anxiety about the future, what's going to happen, about the bills, about your job, about the kids, maybe your health. Maybe you're just feeling lonely or scared in this season and you just can't wait for life to get back to normal. But I think it's safe to say that with the events of the world currently going on, that we all operate with some low-level anxiety on kind of a day-to-day basis, Some fears about this unknown future and some doubt in what's really going to happen and what's just the shadow of a pile of clothes or a monster under our bed. In other words, my hope is that we can all readily connect with this idea of dark moments, dark seasons in our life because it's present in our world today. The goal for these next couple weeks is that we want to bring some hope, some light into those areas, because in order to navigate some of these deeper waters of our lives, of our souls, we need something to shine the light of truth into those areas. Because when life is dark, we need to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, that there's a way out, that there is a hope and a future. So we're going to spend the next couple weeks talking about this. We're going to talk about hope for the dark times. We're going to talk about those areas of darkness, fear, anxiety, doubt. We'll connect them with some deeper questions that we all have. And we'll shed some light about the truths that God gives. Because I think if we're honest, most of us would say that we want to get back to normal. Right? Whatever normal is, right? If you're quarantined and isolated, maybe you're going, I want to get back to work. I definitely want the kids to go back to school, right? I want to be able to go out again to a restaurant, to a store without wearing a mask, right? I want life to get back to how it was before. Deeper, though, than the current darkness that we share, there are areas of our lives that we also perhaps want to return to normal. I wish life was how it was before that experience happened. Before they died, before they left, before they got sick, before I lost my job, before they hurt me. I wish life were back to normal. Some of the darkness, though, we've been carrying around for so long that we can't even remember what normal is. The, The shadow, the distortion, the dark areas have become so regular and so routine for us that the pain that we carry now just always is there. Maybe you'll resonate with this thought. Maybe there's an area of your life where you've simply lost hope. You've lost hope that this will go away. You've lost hope that there's healing. You've lost hope that the nightmare will end. You've lost hope that that person will ever forgive you. You've lost hope that this can be made right. You might even, in the quiet at night, with all the lights off, even admit that you've lost some hope in God. That he is who he says he is, that he's good or that he's in control, right? After all, if God is so good, then why are these dark areas of our lives still present? We often beat ourselves up with verses like this one in First John chapter 1, verse 5, which says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all which I love that verse, but sometimes that can lead to bad theology or bad practices, right? If there's no darkness in God, then when we're in Christ, there should be no darkness in us either, right? Life should always be happy-go-lucky. Things should always turn out right. Nothing bad should happen to us, right? Much like our childhood, where light pushes out the dark, we're often taught to believe that once we believe in God and accept Jesus as our Savior, that there ought to be no darkness in our lives at all and in one sense that's absolutely true. If we're talking about sin or evil or darkness in spiritual places, anything demonic, 100% Jesus is the spiritual light. He pushes back any force of darkness that seeks to establish itself in our lives. But too often we extend this to just normal everyday circumstances or to bad areas that actually happened in our lives. And instead of dealing with them, we just push them under this rug that nothing bad happens to us once we know God. For example, in high school, I distinctly remember having conversations with God about zits. I know, right? Like, I completely remember it, that surely this giant crater on my nose was because of my sin, right? Because of the darkness in my life, and God was absolutely punishing me because I skipped reading my Bible the day before, right? I was convinced of it. That was my prayer life. That's what I was focused on. In other words, I translated this light that God has into there being nothing wrong with my life ever, I thought once I followed God that nothing bad would ever happen to us, and that became my theology, yes, to even something as overlooked and normal as zits. We take this goodness of God and Jesus and we unfortunately over-spiritualize aspects of our life. So when bad things happen, it causes us to doubt our faith, to doubt our belief, to wonder if God is even there, right? Hey God, I thought you were going to take care of this. There's no darkness in you, then why do bad things happen in my life? We're going to use a graph to kind of chart some spiritual growth experiences. And so I want to start us at the bottom of that chart, right? The first place that we all start in a spiritual perspective is dead in our sins and transgressions. Right? This is before Christ, before faith, we're dead. No life is happening within us. And then we accept Jesus. Maybe you remember that moment from a summer camp or from church, or maybe it's been so long that you don't quite remember this, but there's this idea then that we're made alive in Christ. And whether it was here or at summer camp, there is a mountaintop experience that happens in your faith. And on the mountaintop is where we want to be in our faith right on the mountaintop you say a prayer and god instantly answers it right you're driving along you're praying for a parking spot and the first row opens you pray for a date and you're married within a year right every sermon is specifically for you every bible verse is handpicked and delivered to you every morning right god is on your side and you are praising god now, there's nothing wrong with this mountaintop experience. The, the simple point for us today and in this message is that we aren't created or faith isn't designed for us to stay there. Because our faith isn't strengthened or formed actually in those mountaintops. Because if you've lived with Christ for a while, if you've followed him, then at some point those highs fade. Right? You pray and it doesn't happen. The parking spot doesn't open up, right? You pray for a job promotion, you end up losing it. You pray for a date, and you actually break up. You pray for someone, and they don't recover. They actually pass away. Sermons are just okay. Not at this church, but at other churches, right? The Bible is just words on a page. They're God's words, but they're not quite life-giving. And after long enough, we begin to come down off this mountaintop and eventually you'll reach this point. We'll call it a a crisis, a a crisis of faith or a crisis of belief where you have to reconcile this good God that you serve and what you accepted at salvation and what you're actually experiencing in your life. You have to reconcile between the faith that you thought you signed up for and, and what your actual experience is because we can't stay on the mountaintop and faith is made up of hills and valleys and we'll talk about that here in a second but too many of us don't know what to do when we're not on that mountaintop we haven't pressed into our faith enough to know what to do in the dark areas the valleys of our life and of our faith so what do you do as you begin to come down off that mountain let me give you a couple of options Number one that some people choose is they choose to go backwards, right? This is the most natural and common response is to try to go from this low point back up the mountain, right? Back to when times were good. What does this look like, right? At its best, it's doing the things that we did at that time. Reading like we used to, praying like we did at first, trying to reignite the vigor of our faith. You might try serving in a new area, joining a new small group. You might even try joining a different church, right? Whatever it takes to jumpstart that mountaintop faith experience. Often these work for a while, but it's only for a short time. Because, spoiler alert, life and faith are not meant to exist only on the mountaintop. Life and faith have ups and downs and highs and lows. We want our faith and our bank accounts and our life to have this upward trajectory, right? The steeper, the better. But the reality is a much different picture. Life, health, finances, and yes, faith all have ups and downs. And while not in a straight line, the goal is that over time these end to gradual increases. But if we fight that trajectory, if we fight those ups and downs by trying to stay on the mountain, by going backwards in our faith, we actually bypass the goodness that God has in store for us by moving forward. Which means at its worst, when we try to go back up the mountain and to regain that experience, we wind up getting stuck trying to produce something that isn't true. And all too often, these becomes the the trite little euphemisms that we use in our faith, like God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, and God won't give you more than you can handle, and other well-mentioned ideas that ultimately don't help us when we're in the valley, in those dark areas of our lives. Jesus knew this and that's why we have this story in the New Testament of a mountaintop. Maybe you remembered it at the transfiguration. Jesus goes up on top of a hill and he takes John and James and Peter and he has this experience. It says he's transfigured and Moses and Elijah come down and it's just this awesome experience. And Peter says, this is great, we should stay here. Let's take a look at that in Mark chapter 9. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here on the mountaintop. Let's put up three shelters, shelters, places to stay. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Mark gives us insight in parentheses. He says he did not know what to say because they were so frightened. It's good for us to be on these mountaintop faith experiences, right? Hanging out with Moses and Elijah, right? Everything is speaking to us and clicking. We should stay here. There's nothing bad here. There's no problems up here on the mountaintop. Life is good up here. But Jesus knows that they can't stay there because this isn't what life and faith consist of. He tells them on the way down not to mention this to anyone until after his resurrection. Because otherwise people might get distracted and want to stay on the mountain instead of doing the work that Christ called them to do. So maybe this is the most healing thing that I can say to you this morning. If your faith is not on a mountaintop experience, that is okay. As a matter of fact, it's probably good. Because your faith can't stay and operate at that level. It doesn't mean that you're off track, even though it may feel that way. It just means that you're moving forward into new areas of faith and life and following after Jesus. And sometimes he leads us through dark valleys. That's option one. When we encounter these crisis moments, the dark times in our lives, as we try to go back and artificially create or to stay up on the mountain. Ultimately, that's not good. It's not true. It's not fair. And it's not sustainable. There's another option that a lot of people choose here, and that's that they choose to opt out. They choose to go back to the beginning, right? Some people, as they sign up for Jesus, they want the blessings and the health and the wealth and the prosperity. And when they realize that we can't stay on the mountain, then they assume that they got on the wrong train. And rather than continue this journey of faith through the ups and downs and the hills and valleys, they opt just out. To say this isn't what I signed up for, this isn't the God that I want to believe in, no thanks to that conversation. I don't want to walk a path of faith that has dark times and good times. I don't want to walk a path of faith where God isn't always 100% in control of exactly what's happening to me at this moment. These are people who have problems with their faith where they say things like, if God is real, then why is X? Why is this evil thing in the world? If God is real, then why didn't he answer me? Why didn't he hear my prayer? Why didn't he heal me or save my dying friend? When a crisis of belief came, their faith didn't survive it, and so they opted out. Much like those who try to go back up the mountain, they're opting out, though, of a false reality. See, they believed that God would sustain them in their trajectory, much like life of up and to the left. And when they accepted God, they accepted this false gospel, right? There's no reading of the gospel where Jesus' life and death and resurrection doesn't lead us to consider that life for us will be full of ups and downs, of crises, not just smooth sailing. Jesus says these things directly, The first will be last. No servant is greater than his master. Leave behind father, mother, brother, sister, and follow me. When the journey of life and faith gets dark, people aren't opting out of following Jesus. They've simply been sold a faith that does not exist or was too good to be true. Follow Jesus and your life will be better. You'll have money and happiness. Your sins will be forgiven and no matter what you do, you'll spend eternity in heaven. But then the diagnosis comes and there's no cure. Then cancer rears its ugly head. The economy crashes. You lose your job. Your family collapses. Someone who trusted, who you trusted, hurts you. And we go back to this agreement that we made with God and we say, no, this wasn't part of the deal. I don't want to believe in or follow a God who won't fill in the blank, who won't save, who won't heal, who won't always be there. But if you translate that, what we're saying is, I don't want to follow a God who won't fulfill my wishes. I don't want to believe in a God that doesn't make my life better. I don't want to believe in a God who isn't my vending machine on life in the way I want it and when I want it. I won't follow a God that doesn't meet my needs. So they opt out. And the problem here is that they never accepted God for who he was. They were just looking for who they wanted him to be. And when difficult, dark times come, they opt out because it isn't working for them. So when dark times come, you may be tempted to opt out. Say, this isn't what I signed up for. I want smooth sailing. I want that up and to the left trajectory. Or you may try to recreate that up into the left trajectory by staying on the mountaintop, by saying things over and over and over again, just wishing that they would be true. The real opportunity, though, for our faith comes in these dark moments comes in our opportunity to learn to trust God even perhaps when we can't see him or feel him or when he doesn't seem to operate in the way that makes the most sense and the way that we would prefer him to operate in. One of the third options that we have to this crisis moment is to walk through it, to go forward, to continue to press on and to have our faith be our guide as we do those things. I'm preparing for a hike here coming up in the next couple weeks. And we've established that outdoors is not my thing, right? You all know this about me. We're going through a slot canyon, though, and so there's going to be some water, I'm told, at different points along this. And that may mean walking and wading through water up to my ankles, maybe even thigh high. Now, again, not an outdoorsy person. I don't want to walk through the mud and the water and then continue hiking. That sounds terrible. So if I encounter water, my natural condition is going to be, well, let's find a different way. Let's go back to the start, right? Let's opt out of this trip and do something that's easier. The problem is that in a slot canyon, the really only option, the only way is to go forward which means that you've got to endure some of the bad stuff that's in the way in order to get to the reward of being on the other side. The only way through is to go forward. It's not to go back and to get out of the way. It's not to opt out and to stop the whole thing altogether. It's to push through the dark, dreary areas that we'd rather not face and to keep walking to keep going, to have our faith be what actually establishes us and guides us as we walk. See, oftentimes we avoid these dark spots because we think they're out of line with what God has for us. But as we actually read the scripture and model our lives after saints and those who've gone before us, they tell us the story that our faith is most forged in these experiences, in the times where it's hard to trust God where life isn't going our way. When we learn to have faith, to have hope in those dark times, that's when God does the most change in who we are and in our relationship with him. James says it this way in the first chapter of his book. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, those are those dark areas, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If God wanted us to stay on the mountain, then we'd stay on the mountain. But God wants us to learn to trust him in the valley. He doesn't want our faith to simply remain in those easy places. He gives us the opportunity to go through times and spaces where we can't see him clearly, where we ask the difficult questions, where, yes, it's dark and it feels like we're off course, but those are his invitation to trust and follow him even when we can't see him. He knows that if we just stay where life and faith are easy, then we miss out on the deep work of refinement, of him chiseling off those areas that he wants to remove so that our faith and trust in him will be increased. So that we can find the ways to continue to make his kingdom come here on earth just as it is in heaven. So what do you do with these dark moments, and opportunities? How do you navigate the course and journey of faith that you're currently on? I think you have a couple options. You could absolutely disagree with me. You could say God is always good, and all of the time, that's the reality. And then when bad things happen, you can just repeat that mantra to yourself. I just wonder what happens when you're the one who gets the bad news, when that doesn't work for you any longer because I hate to break it to you but you're not special (laughs) darkness happens life happens we can't simply remain in those areas if that's working for you in your faith God bless you and we'll be right here churning and struggling on when you are ready to join us Or maybe you've taken that tactic to just bury your head in the sand. Maybe your faith is something that lives on Sunday but doesn't have a real place in your life. And you're doing this for the kids. You're doing this for your spouse. You're doing this because you think it's the right thing to do. And you think that moral teachings are a good thing. But when it comes right down to it, the dark times in your life, you've stopped wrestling you've stopped asking the hard questions maybe you've lost hope that God is present in every area of your life and so you're a functional Christian but not one that's actually growing in their faith if you're not pushing through these dark areas which I want to invite you into then maybe your faith has become stagnant just resting in those moments not figuring out how to trust God when times are hard and when life is dark or Maybe you're with me right now. Maybe you're struggling to find a way through. And with all that's going on in the world, you're wrestling. You're saying, God, where are you? What is going on? Are you still here? Are you still sovereign? Are you still good? Do you even care? Because I think if we're all honest, we have those moments in our lives. And many of us are having those moments right now in the midst of the current reality in our world. Don't opt out. Don't try to just go back up the mountain and say everything's fine. My challenge to you and to us over these next couple weeks is to push through. To pick your faith up like a backpack and to find the places where God is at work and at rest. To not hold back your doubts and your questions and your fears and your anxieties. To not just brush them under the rug and pretend they don't exist. And to not reduce your faith to simple trite statements where God is simply what he is all of the time. But instead to wrestle to embrace, to go a couple rounds with God and figuring out how he's working in this present time and in this present moment and how he's using the areas of your life that you would rather he just remove to grow and refine and to persevere your faith towards growth and maturity. And while it may not feel like it, This wrestling, this doubt, this acknowledging, this questioning opens the door for the maturing work of faith to happen in your life. And that work will not be easy. I make no claims that it will be. Confronting those dark areas is always scary. There's always reality to bring into it, but I can promise that it'll be worth it. That God is in it, that he has more for you on the other side. None of us want to be in these dark areas of our lives. None of us want the current situation in the world to be happening. We'd rather stay on the mountaintop where the sun is shining and the grass is green and where it's good for our faith to be but the reality of life and of faith and of scripture is that we learn to trust God and our faith grows through the dark valleys of our life. When we face our fears, when we overcome what's stopping us, when we learn to trust even when we cannot see, and when we wait with anticipation to see what God is going to reveal and produce in us if we're gonna persevere through the adversity of life, through hard times and dark times and difficult times, we have to learn how to find hope in those places, how to find God even when we don't feel him and can't see him, for our faith to endure, we can't just stay on the mountaintop, we can't opt out, we have to find the way through. Paul in Romans chapter eight says this about hope. He says, hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. You might be saying, I don't have hope in this current circumstance. It's hard to see the way out. I'm here to parrot those words to you and to say, hope is out there. God is the God of hope, but if we already possessed it, then we wouldn't have that light on the horizon to pursue. So if life feels a little dark, if you've got some heavy areas, I want to tell you you're right where you should be. I want to tell you that there's hope on the horizon and that together we're going to pursue it through God's word and through his leading. That's my hope and prayer for you this week, is that you would find hope for your journey and that even when life seems dark, that you would know that God is leading and guiding you and in your midst. Grace and peace to you this week.